The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Exodus 20, 12, and Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Mary Claire. Somebody just said to me, maybe we should have kept the kids here before we uh, read that one. Some of you parents are like, yeah, this is the best one. Um, that's supposed to be a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. That's all right. We're outside. It's, not, it's less formal, right? Don't you feel less formal? Um, good to see all of you again. And uh, as we have been looking at the um, Ten Commandments, and I, I, just a few uh, weeks ago, um, my son was able, it was a total privilege, able to do the uh, Vanderbilt baseball camp, which was uh, just across the way there, which was really cool. And if any of you have been a part of that or have had children do that or follow Vanderbilt baseball, uh, one of the things that I heard but I didn't get to experience till I went uh, was when I dropped Jake off, how much the uh, coach Tim Corbin is incorporated. So he's like the, the figurehead. He doesn't just show up. He actually leads it. Like he speaks. And then he talks to the kids. And then he talks to the parents. And I felt like I was 11. Like I was, I was like, let's go. Put me out there. I am terrible at baseball. I will do whatever you say. Like he was just amazing. And um, he's not just what was, what was cool, what sold me. And I've always loved watching them and have had some respect for him. But what sold me on him was, wasn't just um, his ability to win baseball games, but his desire to look at kids in the eye and talk to them about what it means to grow up and to grow in respect. He told a story uh, to the kids, and as all the parents can, can stay, and of course, you know, the, the stands are just lined with parents because they're just like... Um, and he told a story about how he sent, he had heard about this one kid that he wanted to recruit. He sent his, his recruiter said, hey, I want you to go watch this guy. This, this kid is really great. I mean, his stats are off the charts, not too far. Just drive, just go take a look at him. He's like, okay, I'll go take a look. So Coach Corbin heads over uh, to where, wherever this kid was growing up, state, you know, city and state. And starts watching and observing him in the game. And he says in the story, as he's telling, he says, well, one thing you notice, he said, well, he gets in the dugout and he he's kind of separates himself from all these other kids in the dugout. And then he, as he's in there, he's kind of just talking to himself. He doesn't really interact with many of the players. He goes out, he does, yeah, he gets out there, he cranks a few great shots, double, maybe, you know, a couple singles that drive in some RBIs, you know, he's, he's looking great. But every time he sees him and he comes back in the dugout, he just seems like he's in a different place. Turns around at one point, waves up into the stands, and, and Coach Corbin notices a, a, a woman walking down the stands, and it's obviously his mom who comes over, and, and, and he does this, and 
She throws his Gatorade or whatever bottle over and he says, you know, he didn't want to drink the, the water with the rest of the kids with the cooler in there. He needed that. He takes one swig of it, barely screws the cap back on, throws it back over the fence, lands on the ground, spilling everywhere and his mom's picking it up and, you know, just trying to pick it up and, and walk back up. And, you know, he even describes detail of her kind of looking side to side at nervously of what he's, she's having to do to take care of him. And he says, <clears throat> you know what I did, kids? And everybody's like, no, what? And he goes, I left. I left. And I went back and I saw my recruiter and he said, what do you think? Are we going to get him? And he said, how much should we give him? How much should we give him? Should we give him full ride? Should we give what kind of scholarship we give him? He goes, that much. And the recruiter was like, no, no, coach, seriously. He goes, that much. He said, I, I observed this guy, he's a great ball player, but I observed the way that he treated one of the most important, honorable people in his life. And if he treats her that way, how do you think he's gonna treat us on the baseball field? And I was like, you know, all the parents in the stands are listening to the story. We're like, yeah, that's amazing. We're like, wait, that's, how do I do that? Coach Corbin's wisdom is, is beautiful because we're looking at the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> and in, in, in particular, this commandment is unpacking something greater than just parental authority. The, the Ten Commandments, as we walk through the first four, are actually divided in half. And not specifically perfectly divided in half, but the first four direct our relationship with God. But once you start in the fifth one, it begins to bridge into the commandments that really deal with man's relationship with man. Other, that, that what is our relationship with one another? The first four, humans' relationship with the Lord, and the next six are humans' relationship with, with each other. And particularly this one, the fifth one, has a broader application. First, it's easy to see and say, okay, parents, how are you honoring your parents? And it would be easy to say, okay, I have a good relationship with my parents. I, I listen to them. We still live in the same city. We talk. We have dinners. That, that's not what this is getting to. It's actually getting up underneath. And it's actually saying, if you don't understand honor in this basic unit that the Lord has created, what does honor look like outside of it? How do you honor authorities that are not your parents? Now, we're going to dive into the complicated, you know, psychological messes a little bit that we have with our family units. We're not going to get into too deep, but we are going to mention what, what that looks like. But the question remains that this commandment is getting up underneath, like all the other commandments, not about our behavioral issues, of just being good kids. It's actually for both kids, which we all are, and authorities, because all theologians agree that this commandment isn't just about parental authority, it's actually the parental authority of life. How do you handle authority and honor it on any level in your life? What is it like? What is the reflection of that? And here's what's cool. To the degree, and I think this is really powerful and very simple, for anybody listening, and kids, if you're hearing this too, I think this is really important, this commandment. To the degree that you show the vertical relationship that you have with God, it will be equal and congruent with the horizontal. Meaning, however you treat the Lord is also going to be congruent in how you handle relationships around you, and vice versa. 
As much as we try and keep those, well, I have great relationship with the Lord and I don't with other people. No, I think it's, it's all congruent. And that's what this commandment is getting to. It's actually considered a bridge commandment to the others to say, how do we handle the first four in our relationship with God to that? Because rules don't transform us. Relationship does. This is even why Jesus comes in and says, I'm not doing away with the law. I'm here to what? Fulfill it. The law is not just going to be thrown out. It's to be fulfilled. So how is this fulfilled in our relationship to the Lord and to those around us? We're going to look at two things about this. Two simple things. And it's fun because uh, sometimes with uh, the other site pastors, we'll, we'll text each other or uh, leave messages and we'll talk about what our outlines are and kind of a few stories here or there. I think all of us are actually stealing uh, the outline of each other this week. I'm not sure. Uh, mine may be a little phrased differently, but... Um, the outline that I'm going to give you this morning is simple. How do we follow honor? How do we follow with honor? And how do we lead with honor? So how do we follow with honor? How do we lead with honor? You know, this commandment, um, as it begins, honor your father and mother. The word honor here is a word that means weighty, heavy. It, it actually means to hold with weight. It means uh, it, it, sometimes in the Bible, it's translated about like a rain cloud. Thankfully, we don't have any this morning. But, you know, if you see some of the rain clouds that come during the summer, they're heavy. And they look like they're just about to explode with rain, just the darkness. You can tell how high they go because there's so much darkness, the sunlight cannot even permeate it. That's kind of the idea. It's heaviness. I learned this a lot when... Um, uh, we had uh, what was left unmoved by the flooding uh, that ha- occurred um, a few months, a number of months ago, both at our home and neighborhood, neighborhoods around us. When the waters came and receded, what was left? It was hilarious. I, I remember we had, a, we, we had a, uh, one of those Red Rider, you know, like plastic wagon things that we would tow all over the place. You can take it to the beach, take it anywhere. You know, it's just indestructible. Well, I remember going out and I was like, it's gone. And then I look and what floated up was another one from someone's house somewhere miles down. I was like, well, even Stephen, you know, just kind of one goes, one comes. That, that is the opposite. In fact, when the Bible talks about dishonor, it actually means that. It means that it's so light that there's not anything to hold it down. There's no weight that you hold someone's authority with such uh, light, you know, tenacity that, that, that it can just kind of float. You're kind of like, oh, this helps me for now, but I'm just going to let it go, let it pass. But the things that really sit, the things that settle, the things that are unmoved, the things that you go back to, that's what honor means. I love what uh, one of my favorite uh, op-ed writers, David Brooks, said about this. He wrote about this. He wrote what it means to really follow. He called it, we have a follow, he called it the follower problem. Great article on uh, kind of, and, and very intellectually think, thoughtful about uh, how our culture views authority. And, and in some sense, we, we have a hard time following and we also have a hard time leading. We don't want to do either one. <laughs> we kind of want to remain in this neutral state. But he said this, just briefly, he said, I don't know if America has a leadership problem. It certainly has a followership problem. To have good leaders, you have to have good followers able to recognize just authority, admire it, and be grateful for it and emulate it. Those skills are required for good monument building too. What does it mean to actually learn to follow? That in every single one of us, we're a follower. 
I remember even meeting with high-level uh, officials after the flooding and talking to them about how they're dealing with the flooding themselves. And they're on the same level as much as they're above all the officials and even the people who are doing the rebuilding. They actually have to submit themselves to codes and everything else. That we all are under this authority. So how do we make sense? How do we learn to be good followers with honor? And I think we need to talk about it in a couple ways. Because as soon as I talk about honoring your parents, many of you, and even myself, think of what is my relationship like with my family or those around me? So I want to talk about what this isn't as well as what it is. Sometimes that helps us. What, what this commandment isn't saying is that honor means unconditional obedience. To honor doesn't mean you give unconditional obedience. There are many things in many times and in many ways, whether we have godly parents or not, or we act in that way, that we should not follow. That there are things that, that can go against even what it means to follow the Lord that goes in, 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 in congruity with what it means to be a disciple, a follower of the Lord and against his word. And this, this commandment isn't saying if your parents are acting in a dishonoring or of the Lord or abusive or any way or authority figure of that way is acting that way, that doesn't mean you follow them unconditionally. It does mean you still hold them there. You still look at them. Uh, Russ Ramsey said this beautifully this week when we were talking about this passage. When he, he's a pastor of a Cool Springs location. He said, in fact, not cooperating with abuse is also a form of honoring authority. I loved how he put that. Non-cooperation with what could be considered abuse of authority is also considered honorable. In the fact that there are many times in many ways where we can be put in positions or have been, and maybe even with our own families, where we need to know it is honorable not to submit ourselves or have unconditional obedience to those in that position. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a famous picture of this in authority. He was a 21st century martyr who uh, fought against the Nazi regime. As a German himself, how he handled, as many of the people in the church remained quiet during the authoritarian figure of Hitler and his regime coming in. How did he and others handle that? Well, they handled it by caring for those who were oppressed. Knowing that God is also in the details of that and sovereign of it, yet working within and underneath, holding honorable authority that he had to care for those who were oppressed. It's important. That's very important for us to know. The other thing it's not is it doesn't mean we always agree or even look up to. But it does mean we still honor. It doesn't mean we always agree or even look up to. There's tons of experience with tension throughout the entire Bible of this lesson. This, and even for many of us in our relationship with our own families or those around us, there are many people that in position, be it a coach, be it a politician, be it an employer, be it a parent, be it someone who is uh, just in a position of authority that holds over it, doesn't mean we have to agree, nor doesn't mean we have to look at them and look up to them as as the example, David and Saul is a perfect example of this. King David submitted himself in honor and authority to the one that he did not agree with, that he saw even came coming after him. 
And even when he had the motivation and, and moment to take Saul's life and take him out and put himself in position of authority, he refused it because he looked past Saul to who was. It didn't mean he also put himself in position of abuse, but he did still honor Saul by saying, God has plans for Saul that are greater than me. He took his, soul, his role seriously. Paul does this, even with this passage, even though he's writing to the Ephesians, he's writing to a group of Christians who are being martyred in Rome under the authoritarian figures. And yet he says in Romans 13, submit yourselves to the governing authorities because by it, you're displaying who you really honor. So honoring, what does it mean? It means taking seriously the person's role. This is what Paul's getting at here. Uh, you know, when, when I was at Baylor <clears throat> and I was a um, student there years ago, I remember being in a chapel service and uh, this was one of those required things. Some of you may have had that when you were at your university or college or wherever it was. And I remember having a uh, specific official, this governor, the governor of Texas actually herself coming to speak to our uh, chapel, which is kind of amazing in some ways. I remember taking the stage and as she went up, a rain of booze came down on her. Boo. I mean, just that kind of deal. And I remember sitting there going, you know, I don't, I don't know where everybody is, obviously, politically. I don't know where all that is. But I'll tell you one thing. That kind of role that she has, she's been put in that role. We may disagree. We may not have voted for her or all those things, but how we still handle whoever is in authority means a lot about who we are. As Christians, we're called to display something greater that we understand that. Again, it doesn't mean agreement. And it doesn't mean we look up to them as the, our you know, bar of who we want to become, but it does mean God is someone who is greater than us. He is the ultimate authority and can, as Romans 13 even says, submit yourselves. He says that the Lord has put, uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God as hard as it may be. And yet God is saying he is the one in authority. And honor also reflects our hearts. There's a, there's a really powerful passage that always gets to me. Um, <clears throat> and it's when Jesus is really in conflict with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the ones who were, you know, you would think keeping the law. You know, they were the ones like, we honor, we honor. And they show honor everywhere. But Jesus pulls out a, a, a quote from Isaiah and says, you know what? You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You honor me, you give me this false weight, but your heart does not live it out. And I think that is a very big thing for this commandment for us. Are we simply looking at the commandments, and we could, as we approach them and say, gosh, these are just the, that, hey, a behavior modification, a way for us to just, we need to love those in authority better. Or is there a deeper issue of authority that needs to be addressed in our heart? To have our hearts be changed, transformed, that our lips aren't just saying one thing or even in despair of another, but actually being guarded about what is going on in here. Who is the ultimate authority? Because honor shows who you follow. Honor shows who you follow. Because we're all following. 
no matter what we say, and especially in our culture with our individualistic culture that we, we really pride ourselves in being a people who we want to become our own authority. There, logically, philosophically, that's actually impossible because we're always underneath someone or something. Unless you aren't paying your taxes and you're planning on going to you know, some neutral country in some time soon, you are ha- actually saying, even in that thing, you are under authority. But what Jesus says, even when the Pharisees come in and say, hey, should we give taxes to Caesar or not? He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. What is he saying when he says that? He says, honor the authority that is set up. And yet render to God what is God's. What is God's? Besides your money, it is your whole self. A Christian, actually the language of what it means, it means a Christ follower. It means we're showing who we follow differently than anything else. So to honor, to hold weight, what really does, when all the, the, the waters of life come through, if you want to use that metaphor, cheesy as it may be, what, what really stays? What really holds? Where does your heart really go or your lips say one thing and your life really is showing another? Where is your heart with that? Because honor is connected to the one who said this. This is amazing. He said, unless you, you want to know what it means to follow Jesus. He said, unless your love for your father and mother and brother, listen to this in Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot follow me. What in the world? Hate in that language meant Semitic language. It meant in comparison to. It means that there's a difference in following Jesus as an authority. It means do we know where all other honor sits? Do we know what our honor before God is? Because what that means is that Jesus is getting up underneath this to say, here's what it really means to be a follower. It means every, everything else, every authority, every honor that you look at, every other honor you look at in your life needs to be in comparison to me a very different type ear. If you want to live as a good citizen, this is what C.S. Lewis always said beautifully. If you've heard this phrase before, you've heard, maybe you heard it a thousand times. He said, those who are excellent citizens now are those who have their eyes on what is ahead Those who live well under authority and honor now are those whose eyes are where they are heading. So how do we not only live as followers, but lead with honor? You know, honor in relationship is huge here. And we, and I think our culture, have that large scale of wanting to be our own authority. I'll just be honest. I think one of the hardest things for me, this commandment is very hard for me. I know that sounds really funny, but it's a very hard commandment for me because of my background, because of my uh, family structure, uh, the divorce I've come from, all those things, to navigate this and make sense of it. Because to look back into it and to not dismiss parts of it, yeah, I have honor in my life here, but not here, you can't do that. And how do I lead my children and others and even this church as an as honorable. What does that mean for me to sit in that position? Because it means that we have to honor and be in relationship. 
Honoring means in relationship. Listen to what it says. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Remember, the commandments don't begin with this. Do this, don't, ah, 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 don't do that. Because we typically think that they do. The commandments actually begin with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. And then it begins into that. In order for us to make sense of any sort of honorable life, we have to know who's the one that actually brought us out of slavery. Who's the one that's freed us? And it drives us to humility. Honor has to do with humility. Because that's how the Bible's actually set up. It's very different than what we might think, authority and humility. Uh, but there's a passage in here in Luke chapter 7 that has always been amazing to me. And it, there are only a couple places in the whole Gospels where Jesus marvels at someone. It says Jesus marveled at them. Like, what, what would make Jesus marvel? And there's a, 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 per, a centurion, a Roman centurion who comes up to Jesus and asks for him to heal, or a, a Roman centurion who sends servants to say, would you heal my servant? It says, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him for he loves our nation and he is one who built our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was not from far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume you come, but say the word and he'll be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me and I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it and when Jesus heard these things he marveled at him and turning to the crowd he followed him he said I tell you not even in Israel have I found such faith what makes Jesus marvel it is the humility of someone who has all the power at their fingertips and yet puts it under submission puts it down. Humility is not uniquely uh, just a, a Christianish vir virtue, but what's unique about it is the one who leads Christianity is the one who submitted himself in a way that transforms how we understand honor. Christianity means that we follow someone who had all the honor, all the power, and yet put himself in a position to be dishonored. There was never a position where Jesus dishonored his father. There was never a moment where he looked at his father and said, he didn't have the psychological issues that we do. He didn't have the physical issues that we do. He didn't have all of those things that we struggle with, and yet he had all of the temptations and all of the issues that we do struggle with, with our earthly father and heavenly father, and yet he took it up into himself to honor, and yet submitted himself in a way to show that all the dishonor that we have, that he has kept in himself. It's interesting when, when many, Bertrand Russell said this about honor and humility. He said, every envy of, of those in front consists in seeing things never in themselves, but only in their relations. If you desire glory, you may envy Napoleon, but Napoleon envied Caesar. Caesar envied Alexander, and Alexander, I dare say, envied Hercules, Hercules, who never existed. Humility drives. This is what Augustine said, 
I have read Plato and Cicero sayings that are wise and very beautiful, but I've never read in them, either one of them, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does it mean to have humility in our honor? It means that we know that what it means to follow Jesus means that we display an honor to all those around us horizontally because the one who is vertical, that is the Lord Jesus, has put himself in a position in every way to be a servant for us. Parenting is so hard. Being in an authority position at all is so hard. Because most of the time, we're wanting to be liked. We're wanting to have everything in just the right place. We're wanting to have the right blocks fit so there's nothing uncomfortable. We want to have success, authority in any way, coaching, jobs, whatever it may be. We want it all to work. And yet we see it crumbling all the time. And yet Jesus does what's mind-blowing by putting himself in the sense of such humble posture to show honor to those around, to show honor to those that everyone in his community showed dishonor. Those who were the outcasts, he brought in and he gave them honor so much so that those who looked at them said, why are you even letting them in this room? They are so dishonorable. And yet the Lord Jesus brings those of dishonor into honor by his act. Honor deals with humility and it deals with forgiveness and patience. We're about to read this in a second, but I want to point it out to you that one of the things it says in the the fifth commandment, the Heidelberg Catechism, it's a catechism we read. It says this, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? And listen to what it says. That I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. That I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And I also, that I bear, or that I be patient with their failings. For through them, God chooses to rule us. As someone, not just a parent, but at, in any sort of, posture of authority, that was a very comforting line to me. But that I be patient with their failings. What does it mean that to hold honor, it means to forgive and it means to be patient? It means we reflect the honor that God gives us because think of the patience that God has with you, with me. He keeps us. He's patient with us. The ruler of this universe is so abundantly patient that he sent his own son to be dishonored on a cross that most people, and even in a place was usually considered a trash heap, so that we might be seen with eyes of honor and held with honor. You know, this commandment says, as Paul says, is the only one with a promise. Because this commandment shows not only humility and patience, but it shows our future. You know, this table is a table of incredible honor. Incredible honor. 
It's the perfect honor of Jesus Christ submitting himself in a way that none of us could. The commandment is fulfilled in him because it's only through his body and blood of death taking into himself the dishonor that is ours so that we might have his honor to come to even bear into this table. And if he didn't take that up, we would continue to live in dishonor. Coming to this table, to come here, it doesn't mean that you live under authority perfectly. It doesn't mean you have great relationships with your parents or, or even a great parent or a great authority figure. It means that you learn where is your heart being submitted in a relationship because this one took you up in a way that you cannot live out so that you can leave this table and know that you're kept in honor by him so that you can honor all those around you. We can show a different honor. We can live a horizontal relationship by getting Christ followers that can transform a city to say, why do they honor people that we would, our city dishonors? Why would they keep or bring in or love people that we typically dishonor because they don't provide or they don't give or they don't show this or they are this? Because we are all of dishonor and have been brought to a table to, to have this meal with Jesus so that we live in honor, forgiveness, humility, and patience before the Lord. That's how we're transformed in that character. So if you'll stand with me now. <clears throat> if you'll look on your sheet with me, we will read together and answer this question of that fifth commandment <clears throat> before we take this meal. What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? That I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. That I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also that I be patient with their failings. For through them, God cho chooses to rule us. Amen. You may be seated. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed by his followers. He would be dishonored, even by his followers. And he knew it. And yet he still broke bread. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, all of you. Do so in remembrance of me. And when you taste this bread, you taste the honor that you have in the Lord Jesus. In the same way, he took the cup and he poured out the wine, and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. This is my blood of the new covenant, which means you have a new relationship with God. Whatever dishonor you think you have before God is taken up in Jesus. It is forgiven. You now drink the honor of the Lord himself, his eyes upon you with great love. So as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do proclaim, and you yourself proclaim, not me, we, you proclaim the Lord's death, the dishonorable death he took up until he comes again. And if he has come once and made that promise true, he will come again and fulfill it all. And we will live in complete honor together with our Lord Jesus.